If somebody walked up to you just kind of out of the blue and said, you know what, you are a selfish person, I wonder how you'd feel. It could stick a bit, um, but we all have to admit we're selfish sometimes. In fact, I just had to do this the other day. I said something and I so regretted it and I processed for a couple hours with God on and off throughout the rest of the day and I said, the problem is I'm selfish. And I think that was a good conclusion to draw. And then I decided to ask God to help me with that because I can't fix that. Uh, good, because we've been praying for that. Well, I, thank you. In your life. Full so disclosure, Greg is a prayer partner, and, and he's got a list <laughs> of things. Answer to prayer. I'm John Fuller, joined by author, marriage expert, prayer warrior, and great <laughs> friend, Dr. Greg Smalley. And I wonder if anybody has ever brought this up to you. I mean, that was kind of a, a hypothetical, but do you have any friends who have ever had that kind of thing happen to them? Um, God has used my wife in many ways, Aaron, who's not here to defend herself, but honestly, I mean, she, she, I love that she's willing to be honest and, and she will suspend harmony at times to, to have some hard conversations is I was thinking about this idea of selfishness, you know, for me, often where that shows up in my marriage is I I will refuse to be social. <laughs> As an introvert, homebody, I like being home. I like to chill with Aaron and and Annie, my daughter, mm-hmm. and my son. Just in in so often when Aaron, who's very extroverted and loves to be with friends, will say, "Hey, you know, so and so called, love to go do something with them. Is that good?" My always, sadly, my first response is no. Oh no! I'm, uh, let's just hang out. Let's just be at home. I, I just I'm very aware of that's how easily it is for selfishness to show up, especially mm-hmm. around just you know Aaron's desire and need. You know, quite frankly, I should be doing that. Um, now I'm I'm an introvert too. Yeah, and I've got to admit there are times when she wants to go do a social thing, and I end up coming home saying I'm really glad we did that. Right. Right? Same for me, yeah. and and I know there's got to be balance there. I mean, if if five out of the seven nights yeah. she was begging for us to go out and be around people, that'd probably be too much. Yeah. I've noticed that John, you, even in this broadcast booth of ours, the selfishness that's being displayed because you have a lot of chocolate next okay, to you yep, that yep. you it's, seem to just be hoarding. It, it's what happens well, when you good. Finish, now right? you just flicked me once. So you you're no longer selfish. All right. Well, that, thank that's you. That's how easy that, that can work in well, any I, relationship. I want you to know how encouraging that is, and we want people to know how encouraging it is for somebody to say you're selfish and then give you an opportunity to repent of it. Let's go ahead and hear a little bit from Bill and Pam Farrell, who discuss uh, with some great insights different ways that men and women sometimes struggle with selfishness. In your book, The First Five Years, um, you mentioned something I think is really important. I want to make sure we cover it. You talk about a woman's need to control, and these, again, are generalizations. We know not everybody fits this type, but a majority of people do, and I'm sure that's why you put it in there. A woman's need to control and how a man tends to be selfish. These are two kind of uh, paramount Mm -hmm. characteristics in our gender. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that for a minute, because both of those can drive the other crazy. One mm-hmm. is control. What does that look like when a woman, a newly married young woman, is beginning to exert control over her husband? Yeah. And then we'll talk about the man and his selfishness in a minute. I pretty much a good way to spot that control is if you're acting more like his mother or your mother, then you're shifting over from a wife to like 
the control freak. But how do you how do you see it? How do you because it comes so naturally. A right. lot of people right. struggle and seeing it. And it comes from it. a good place, actually. Yeah. You know, in the Garden of Eden, um, when God made, you know, the trees and God made the flowers and God made animals after each one of those, and it was good. But when Eve showed up, it was very good. <laughs> and so when we just showed up, things got better. And so it, it's in our nature as women to want to make things better. We will make situations better. We will make people better. We will make the world better. And so it comes from a good place. So when it's under the Holy Spirit's control, when we are seeking to put our will underneath God's will, it's a happy thing. It's a happy place. But it's when we take that back and like, I have a better idea than God, just like Eve did. Or I have a better idea than my man. You know, it's all about me and my ideas. That's when you drift into danger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and like Pam said, it comes from a good place because women can always see how things could be better. It's a gift that they have. That doesn't mean that they actually have control over everything that needs to get better. Mm -hmm. And when a woman says, you know what, I can make that better. I can legitimately make that better. And she puts her effort into it. It's an awesome thing. When she starts looking at the areas that she doesn't have control over, but tries to make them better anyway, that's when it becomes controlling. Mm -hmm. And and it it becomes a, a... a destructive thing in the relationship. First, I always tell women, okay, let's compliment your man for what he is doing well. Like a lot of times women are like, he's not a spiritual leader. He's not like being the one who prays with the kids at bedtime. And he's not the one who like wants to do devotions. I'm like, well, when was the last time that you said thank you that he came home to you, not somebody else? When was the last time you said thank you for like maybe the paycheck? Or when's the last time you said thank you for mowing the lawn? Like, is he like, you know, taking out the trash? Are you thanking him? Because what I see is when we start thanking our man, then he wants to step up and do some of the other things that we might think is, are valuable, like praying and things like that. But if he's always feeling like if he tries, it's not be good enough. Like, why try? Because it's not my way. We're going to defeat him. Well, and that's another whole issue. Uh, my way or it's not the right way. Right. Mm-hmm. That control. Well, let's not, you know, we can't let the guys off the hook here. Right. So nope. the, back to that point of the selfishness. And it kind of is the other side of this because Absolutely. I think a, a, a wife is going to see the fact that he doesn't step up and do some of these things because he's selfish. He's wanting to spend time out in the garage or he's watching news, weather and sports. <laughs> and, you know, wow, can you not? pour into my life or our kids' lives a little more energetically? And see, for men, the struggle is that God made us passionate. He put testosterone in our bodies, and we have passion for the things of our life. And it was put there so we would have passion for our career, passion for our wives, and passion for our families. And men get distracted all the time. We get distracted into sports. We get distracted into sexual things. We get distracted into hobbies. And the passion that should go into our families ends up going into our personal pursuits mm-hmm. or even d- distractions that are, are dangerous to the rest of our life. It, and the challenge for men is we've got to get our passions focused. And it's one of the reasons why us men need to come around other men. Because when a man says, dude, you need to focus in on your family right now, we accept that for men. When it comes from a female voice. Might sound nagging when it comes from the <laughs> wife. And so a wife really, if she says, hey, why don't you go golfing with Joe and, and encourages that, lets him go out and have a great guy time. Well, Joe might be a great role model of how to treat a wife and how to raise your kids. And so rather than nagging, if you help your husband develop those wonderful godly men around him, that's going to do you a favor too. 
All right, Greg, so let's come back to the question that Pam asked the wives. When was the last time you told your husband thank you for something he did well? Um, What does that do for us? How does being a grateful spouse help kind of get rid of some selfishness in marriage? Yeah, I think when, when I'm really noticing what Aaron does that I appreciate... One, in, in so many ways that it helps to, to fight maybe some negative beliefs that have built up. You know, when, when we go through seasons to where we're in conflict or just frustrated with each other, maybe really disconnected, we often then start noticing the stuff that frustrates us and that disappoints us and annoys us. And, and that begins to shape sort of the lens that we see our spouse through. And, and that's that can be a tough thing inside of a marriage. But when, when I'm really expressing gratitude, that requires me to notice what she's doing that I appreciate. And, you know, like the other day, she just, she walks in, she hands me a bag and, and it had this little chocolate something in it. They were really good, <laughs> but it was just this small little gesture. She just was somewhere and thought about me and brought me this little snack in, in that I tell you, just just being aware of just the the things that she does, that can make such a big difference. I think gratitude also keeps me humbled because when I really see all the things that Aaron is doing Mm -hmm. in not only bringing me chocolate as gifts, but just the way the, the hard worker that she is, she's a, you know, a practicing marriage counselor and just the the job that she does and how she can go from seeing five clients to running to pick Annie up from school to dropping off Annie at track practice to maybe coming home starting dinner i mean when i really start to to think about good grief look at everything that she did mm-hmm. today that's humbling and i'm like oh man i am so grateful because it takes so much to run a family yeah and it's easy for me to notice and be aware of the little things that I do to contribute to the running of our family. But really noticing what Aaron does and expressing that gratitude, that that, that is very humbling. That's a good thing. I mean, one, God gives his grace to the humble, mm-hmm. so that's never a bad thing. I think also just noticing even in, in even her character qualities. Like, you know, Aaron, the other day... Um, our daughter's in, in track, and so um, we were hoping that there would be several events that, that Annie would get to run, and, and it, actually there weren't any. And, mm. and, and I love how Aaron instantly reached out to the track coach, not to debate, you know, how dare you, our daughter should be running, but just going, hey, you know, just want to check, and maybe that was an oversight or, you know, anything that we can encourage Annie to do differently in practice. and. And just he answered back and just said, oh, my goodness, I, actually, that was an oversight, and mm-hmm. I will take care of that. And there, there's, as as a peacemaker, it's easy for me to go, oh, I'm not going to... Yeah, don't do that. that. Yeah. But, but Aaron, just that's a part of just who she is. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for that and the way that she advocates for our kids. And just, I mean, that's just one small thing. And, and often it causes me then... To, to want to grow or to to grow that part of my own character, just noticing what Aaron is doing. But like I said, if, if this is a really difficult season for you, it's easy to overlook that stuff. It, it, we're going to ignore what they do. We're going to ignore character qualities or we'll see all the stuff that mm-hmm. we don't like or that frustrates us. And, and that's why gratitude really, John, 
can can create a very different lens, and that can be a part of just the transformation within your relationship. Yeah, and I remember when Jim and I talked recently to a couple uh, here in the studio, and it was really interesting to hear them talk about the way that it was a privilege to care for their spouse mm-hmm. or to do something for their spouse. Yeah. And I thought, that's a great lens. That's, that's a kind of a practice of gratitude. Totally. What a privilege it is. Well, if you're rather new in your marriage or you know a couple that's a little bit younger and um, would benefit from the book by the Farrells called The First Five Years, uh, contact us. Make a donation of any amount. We'll send the book to you. I think there's a whole lot in here that's applicable for anybody, um, whether you're newly married or maybe you just need to be uh, reminded about some of these uh, simple principles to make a marriage great. And if you haven't taken our free marriage assessment yet, we strongly recommend doing so. It uh, covers a variety of subjects, from feeling understood to sexual intimacy and conflict management and more. Uh, We'll link over to that free marriage assessment and the book and your opportunity to donate. It's all in the show notes. And if you have a moment, hop on over to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show and leave us a rating and review. That's so appreciated by us, and it helps others find this great content. Well, I'm John Fuller, and for the Smallies and the entire team, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.